and welcome to Duck Blind. I'm Jill Schroeder, and this is our podcast from Grey Duck Gallery here in Austin, Texas. Today, I'll be chatting with local artist Katie Horan. Her exhibition, Rooms, opens December 3rd and runs through January 9th. Hi, Katie. Hi, Jill. Thanks for joining me in the courtyard on this lovely day. It is fantastic to be here, and it is lovely outside, and I'm thank you for having me. Sure. Um, I just want to start with um, a little bit of background. Um, you grew up in Houston. Yes. You got your BFA at RISD. Yes. Um, like, I know your past work was kind of researched in folklore mm-hmm. and uh, witches yes. and female archetypes. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about your history and the and your art history? Sure. Um, yes. So I, I went into art school fully believing I was going to be a children's book illustrator. I didn't really have much concept of what other kind of career I could have outside of that. So that was my focus. I left art school in 2003. I graduated. I moved to New York and proceeded to uh, make that career happen uh, and was rejected widely because everyone thought that my style was um too weird and dark okay which looking back on it now i think it's absolutely not is i i don't i compared to what i do now it was practically like hello kitty um (laughs) (laughs) so that you know that wasn't really happening for me and so as i kind of tried to find myself i guess post art school i sort of started making connections with this gallery scene that was happening on the West Coast. Um, You know, this was early 2000s, so it was the time of, like, Flickr and, like, Blogspot and blogs. So I started a blog, and I had a Flickr account, and I sort of made internet friends with some West Coast artists. And over the next several years, just kind of started showing my showing paintings and drawings in San Francisco, LA, and, and the quote-unquote lowbrow scene. Um, and my work, I basically started making, it was illustrations, but sort of for stories out of just my head. Okay. And that's been my MO ever since. Basically, I've just, and in the time, and the, I don't know, oh God, 15, how many years over a decade (laughs) a long time since then i've just worked to evolve that is basically um storytelling has always been at the core of what i do and i've used that to sort of jump from just whatever i'm interested in so for a while it was the archetype of the witch um like you said, so female archetypes have always been really fascinating to me. And, mm-hmm. uh, for a long time, I was the witch. I mean, I still love the witch. There's, she's, the, I think, the richest and most complex and layered of all the female archetypes. Um, but then I sort of spent some time with the idea of spinsters and widows. And then I spent some time digging more into folklore. Um, which is rich in his own archetypes and sort of really getting into the more, um, specific folklore of the Appalachia, sorry, Appalachian region. Yes. In the Ozark region. Um, simply out of just personal preference. It's, there's just so much rich atmosphere and strangeness in that particular region f- of folklore. 
And that was sort of the last thing I did before I made this kind of swerve into what um, I made for this show. So, yeah, I w- that was going to be my next question okay. is, how is this body of work um, different from from your past? Well, so this body of work, it, what's weird about it, and I'm just realizing it now, There, I didn't do any real research. Usually everything had like a big sort of research component. Mm-hmm. Um, so with um, the F- Appalachian folklore, I was learning a lot about like, the um these women called granny witches who are sort of um healers of the region and i was like learning specifics about you know the materials they use and and reading all the lore around them and and this time i i just wanted to try and capture something more intangible i guess um i at the time i decided to sort of venture in this direction i had just come out of a very difficult period. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a pretty severe mental health crisis that lasted about four years after my daughter was born. And I, I don't know. I think I, I had done a lot of healing and I wanted to sort of just talk about just the hard stuff. Uh, maybe because I grew up in a culture that doesn't talk about it. Sure. We don't talk about the dark stuff. We don't talk about the hard stuff. And I find it very healing to, be um, open and candid about these things. So it came less from an interest in a certain subject matter or, you know, time period or, or whatever, like it was before and, and became more about wanting to capture something about these experiences. I think it's, it became much more um, abstract, much less concrete. And so that's sort of the main difference. Okay. It's still, you know, the work is still narrative. It's still storytelling. But the core of it, the intention behind all of it was it had, had much more of a personal and sort of emotional um, impetus. Right. If that makes sense. So um, when we were curating the show this afternoon, I asked you how how you start a piece. Yeah. Um, so it's more of a vision than an actual like feeling of what you want to portray or is it kind of a combination? It's kind of a combination. So, and I, I mentioned this before when we were talking, but, and this sounds super weird, but this was really a big part of um, the, my conceptualization period of the show is that I like to run and there's a large cemetery, a very nice cemetery with like a, it's like about a mile loop. It's near my house. So that's, I like to run there often. And I was running a lot in the winter of like 2019. And I love movie music. I love film scores. I, I find that they evoke, there's just something so powerfully evocative um, about listening to them for me. And I just, I love being in that space. And so I would listen to these scores. While running, and there was something about the combination of the endorphins and the music and the cemetery that allowed me to sort of tap into these sort of like base, just like human feelings. And, um, and the way it works for me is that if I want to get kind of cheesy and woo woo about it, um, (laughs) it almost feels like the more I press at a certain 
you know, um, subject matter or, or the more I work to conceptualize work, it's almost like a window starts opening and it starts opening more and more. And the wider it gets, I can like, the more I can step into somewhere and p- come back with these images. And that's what it kind of feels like. And that's what was going on when I was running through this cemetery. And I just kept these images just kind of started popping up. And they pop up kind of fully formed. Yeah. And with them comes a specific either feeling or sort of combination of feelings that is then the goal to portray. And that's the fun challenge of the piece. It's like, how can I ev- use this image to evoke a feeling or a, a combination of feelings? That was the challenge of this work, I think. Okay. I don't know if I succeeded. We'll find out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think you succeeded. Okay. (laughs) It could be different for everyone. I mean, that's kind of the, the fun part, I guess. And, and so I feel like the research you, you did in the past also shows up in this work, like Mm -hmm. period, um, clothing yeah. and and those curtains the curtains oh my god <laughs> <laughs> my mom loves the curtains too yeah by the way yeah um yeah i at this point in time i've done so much costume history research and sort of i've watched so many period films and that i i didn't have to dig too deep to find the imagery i needed sure um, and I, I should say that even though I didn't intend for this work to be about archetypes, archetypes popped up for sure, because that's just how I think. Um, so the mad woman in the attic showed up and, um, the surviving frontier pioneer woman is there, the victim, the survivor, because that's just, I, I think I do just think in that way when I, because of my brain, when I'm trying to tell stories, that just comes up for me. Yeah. So they're there still. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. So um, I don't um, want to end this podcast until we talk about the video, because um, okay. when I went to your um, studio the last time and you showed me this video, it's, I mean, it's very simple, yeah. simple props, um, but it moved me so deeply. Um, the music, just the motions that you're making, um like I felt it to my core, so yeah. I just I want you just to talk a little bit about yeah. it. Yeah, that so that the video came. I had the idea for these videos because I I love performing. I I was a theater kid in high school, but I was a better artist than actor, so I studied art instead, which was wise. <laughs> um, and I've kind of tried over the years to maybe find ways to fill that urge of performance again but I found that I've lost my like I did a a, like in 2012 I was in a puppet play with Trouble Puppet Theater Company yeah it was amazing and uh, it was an incredible experience we did uh, a puppet adaptation of Macbeth which was wild and so I I I I was like, okay, so this will, I'll see if I still have like the theater kid in me. But I found myself much more um, self-conscious than I, I thought I would be being on stage in front of people. So I wanted, I, I came up with the idea to mask myself. Mm-hmm. 
and to maybe do something because this music and the music in the video is a piece so I think it's the most beautiful piece of music, possibly one of the most beautiful pieces of music I've ever heard. It's called The Nature mm. of Daylight by Max Richter. It might be familiar to some. It's used in the film Arrival, but it is a standalone piece by Max Richter that he did for, um, I'm not sure what he originally did it for, but it's used often in things. It's just the most evocative, just heartbreaking and stunning piece of music. And I, I found myself wanting to react physically to this music that is at the core of this work yes for me personally and the desire to mask myself and perform met with the desire to just physically react even just by myself to this music and to act out this emotional experience that my characters and my paintings are having which also played into because i was also doing a lot of i did a lot of photo reference for this work i took like hundreds and hundreds of photos of myself technically just to get the positions and the faces right but it was so much fun that i um that also fed into what led to this video hmm. so i had the idea to mask myself and to there was like i had a few ideas for different ones for different pieces of music and i was just kind of mulling it over in my head as i worked on other things and then there's this one day my uh, husband and daughter went out of town for a l they went to go visit family in Ohio and I was alone for this like kind of lengthy period of time. And one morning I woke up and I watched Bo Burnham's inside. I don't know if you saw that. No. It's um, mm -hmm. for those who haven't, it's this incredible, it's a comedy special, but it's, I'm not going to go into it, but it's this incredible <laughs> thing that he made for Netflix and I was so inspired by it that I went straight out to my studio and I tacked up the black cloth and I, I got my one mask I'd made and like this, like, oh, I don't think I put on a wig for this one, but I put on this like weird nightgown and I got this quilt and I just did it without really planning it because mm. I just felt like you had already prepared so much already. Right. And yeah. I, I, the video is the first take I did. I thought I was just like, I was just like, I'm just going to see how this works. I think I thought I was just going to do like a sketch mm -hmm. kind of to test out, first of all, how to even make a video. I mean, I made it on my phone. I don't, I've, I'd never done this before. It was, it was just like, okay, this would be sort of just like step one in this process to make these videos. And it felt so good in the moment that I was like, oh, maybe, maybe there's, there's something here. And I sent it to some friends. Mm-hmm. And they loved it. They were moved by it. And I was, and I put it on Instagram and I got some lovely feedback. And uh, then I showed it to you and <laughs> you had the response you did. And so I was like, I think this is Sans on its own. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And to give a little further information on it, I was thinking I had, I'd had this image in my mind. Um, for a long time, probably even prior to this show of a woman with an empty blanket, um, as sort of a, the blanket being a proxy for a child and, you know, having, um, you know, my brother died 18 years ago. So I think about my mother a lot and having lost a child and friends who have had pregnancy loss. And also I do, I volunteer, um, 
with the Austin Center for Grief and Loss as a as a bereavement group facilitator. So I, it's just I I I just think a lot about loss of a child, and uh, even though that's not something I've experienced personally, that was kind of who I was thinking about as I made the video. And if you see the video, you'll see what I mean. Yes. It's, yeah. And you should definitely see the yeah. video. Yeah. <laughs> it's on my Instagram somewhere. <laughs> if you can find it. <laughs> or or you could come to the gallery. Or come, to the, come to the show. And yes, see it. And definitely see it. Yeah. So those are all the questions I have. Is there anything else you want to say about the show or anything? Or this show I worked on for about three years, pandemic, you know. Um Yep. Postponed it quite a bit. And I, I'm very proud of this show. I'm very proud. I never thought I would make paintings that as big as some of these paintings are. Um, that I feel like I've definitely accomplished something. And I, uh, I, I just hope that anyone who sees them maybe feels something, feels seen, um, sees themselves maybe somewhere in these characters. Um, that's really what I want people to get out of it. And if you don't, that's fine too. I like to leave them ambiguous so that people can walk away with whatever they need to from it. And come and come to the opening on this. <laughs> please, please. I haven't had an opening in years. And I always, I haven't had a show in like, I haven't shown in a gallery since 28, early 2018. So, you know, please yes. come. Do come. Yes. Say hi. <laughs> and thank you, Jill, for the opportunity to make this work. Well, thank you, Katie. Mm -hmm. And thanks for, uh, hanging out this yeah. beautiful afternoon and, and chatting about the show. Mm -hmm. So I want to thank Katie Huran for joining me on this podcast. The exhibition rooms will run through January 9th. I would also like to thank Scott David Gordon for producing the show and the black drum set for letting us use their song, a dangerous drive. Thank you so much for listening. Mm -hmm.